All right, welcome to our second episode of the mini-series, All About Atomic Habits by James Clear. Hi, Kate. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so good. It's been a great week, and I'm so excited about going into this first law, right? James Clear talks about how to make something obvious, which I guess doesn't really make sense unless you, like, kind of know the rest of it, because I feel like if you have no idea what I'm talking about, you're just like, okay, make what obvious? So how do you make habits super obvious? And he gives like quite a few suggestions that are really clear and like for my Virgo brain, just like very sort of digestible, like how we can go about right now trying to make that happen. How do you make a habit obvious? So the first suggestion he talks about is making a habit scorecard. So habits are really reinforced by just like repetition, right? They're often on autopilot. If you think of like brushing your teeth, do you really think about brushing every single tooth? No, you just freaking brush your teeth, right? So it's how present you are for like habits that you do all the time that you don't really think about. So he talks about like, for instance, you know, like on the subway, I'm, I'm in New York City, but um, in the subway, for instance, if you go, you'll see the operator kind of stick his head out of a train and point to something, right, at the, like on the wall on the platform. And that's actually a specific thing that he's required to do at every platform. And James Clear talks about this and the reason why, but essentially that pointing reduces mistakes by up to 57%. And it makes operators really aware of what going on on the platform as opposed to just like looking around that's not enough the idea of pointing kind of allows you to like be present to that physical action and make sure that like he's doing his job he's making sure no one's like stuck on the platform there's nothing going on that's a problem or there's not like a kid missing running around the subway right so this idea of the more we do something the less conscious we are and we begin to overlook things so a habits scorecard then if you will is this idea of writing down your current habits let's talk about for instance like a morning routine so my morning routine I wake up I usually like shut off my alarm on my phone I bought an alarm clock after reading this book by the way but you know right now I shut off my alarm on my phone and then ideally I get up I go to the bathroom I brush my teeth. While I'm brushing my teeth, I start like the process of making my bed. I like put the pillows in a certain place, finish brushing my teeth, go back, make my bed, right? So that's kind of the flow. There are things that sometimes interrupt said flow, right? Sometimes I look at my phone and there's a couple text messages. So I'll just look, I'll just, you know, answer those text messages. And then I'll maybe look at my email and then email turns to Instagram. Then Instagram turns to Twitter. And then all of a sudden I'm on a slippery path. Yep, this happens. And sometimes I go, so like, look at it like Instagram reels. And then, you know, it's really bad when I start looking at TikTok. And then it can be a while before I brush my teeth. And this is. And then it's 4 p.m. This is. Sad case, but this is actually it happens quite often. I kid you not. And so the idea is not so to real. judge these habits on your habit scorecard, just write them all down. Mm. And then this is the key part, which I actually really like. He talks about the idea of putting a plus a minus sign or an equal sign next to each of these habits. And he talks to them like about being like good habits or bad habits. I personally don't like subscribing to that. So I like his other way of describing it, which is the plus sign is which habits reinforce 
your desired identity, which I love. That feels more juicy. So this idea of like that that identity you were talking about, you were thinking about this past week as to like what you want to try to be. You want to be someone, you want to be an actress or you want to be a more reliable person or whatever it is you're looking towards. Is that habit reinforcing that? conflicting with that or is it just neutral and like you just have to do it and it's not a big deal like brushing my teeth is like a neutral activity right it's not like anything to do with reinforcing my maybe it's reinforcing a healthy habit if you will but yes yes absolutely (laughs) oral health is very important to your overall health and like somebody who's like available to being kissed why not exactly exactly (laughs) which is like my whole intention I want to like I want to manifest this, this romantic comedy and I want to be kissed in that movie. Yes. So then obviously it all kind of works out, but it you know what I mean? <laughs> what do you think of this habit scorecard, Kate? I love it, especially because in the introduction, he talks a lot about how a lot of our life is run by the unconscious mind. And when we can bring things into awareness, it already starts to shift things by mm. simply just bringing them into our awareness. I've witnessed this personally just by practicing mindfulness, having a meditation practice. My teacher will often say seeing it and having the awareness is 90% of it because once you see it, it's there and you're reckoning with it. But so much of what we do is on autopilot. And rightly so, we do need to reserve our energy as a human animal for the things that are going to require the most brain creativity, brain function, critical thinking. But if we're having to critically decide like which toothpaste to use every morning, it's gonna it's that's a lot it's like just grab the one that's on the counter we need to bake some of these things in so that we can optimize our human potential and our creativity for other things like i know david lynch he eats like the same lunch every day Mm. it's like i'm not going to use my creative energy to have to decide each meal of what I'm going to do. I need to just like have some go-to recipes that I can just cook without even thinking about it. But when we start getting into that hard wiring, it's like, okay, well, that's actually a day where you need to figure out like, oh, how do I make a quick one pan stir fry? Ooh, love those one pan stir fry. Now I'm getting hungry. So thank you for that, Kate. Um, Sorry. No, but, no, but that's so important. Like, it, it is okay to be on autopilot sometimes. Chances are you, you might even have enough brain power or space to come up with something super creative. You know, sometimes mm. my, I don't know about you, my best thoughts, my best ideas come right before or after sleeping. Always, mm. consistently. I, I mean, I woke up with a children's book fully formed. Did I tell you about this? Fully formed children's book that came out from like, I think I was sleeping years ago and I just woke up, had the whole, every character, every, like every plot point, Mm. nothing has changed from the book that I've created from that time sleeping. But I think it's because my brain was on this, like, I'm not needing to work thing. I'm about to sleep or I just woke up thing. There's like this, this almost like. I don't know, meditative state that comes with just waking up or going to sleep. So that autopilot is a good thing sometimes because we're not thinking about like what toothpaste, like you said, or like Mm. what singular tooth do we need to brush right now (laughs) to make sure all the cavities are going away, right? Mm. There's that element of being aware of what we're doing, not judging it. This is not about judgment. I don't care if in the morning you're about to eat a bite of chocolate or like you're, you know, eating Cocoa Puffs for breakfast. I don't care. It doesn't matter. It's not something you need to judge yourself on. Just be aware. What are your, what are your things? And then is that reinforcing conflicting with the identity that you're working towards? 
Love it. Those atomic building blocks of the identity that you are crafting. So that's the first one. So take that with what you will, right? If that sits with you. If not, well, we've got some more for you. So the next one's implementation intentions, which I love, and I've actually been thinking about this quite often. So in 2001, a study in Great Britain divided people into three groups, okay? First was a control group. All they were asked to do was track how often they exercised. Easy. The second, they were asked to track their exercise, but they were also given reading material on the benefits of exercise. They were explained like in a presentation how exercise could have serious health benefits. And then the third group were given really the same presentation. They were also asked to track how often they exercised. But the key difference was that they were asked to formulate a plan as to when and where they would exercise the following week. So they essentially had to complete this sentence. During the next week, I will partake in at least 20 minutes of vigorous exercise on fill in a day at fill in a time in fill in a place. Okay, 35 to 38 percent of the first and second group exercise at least once per week. Right. Totally fine. That's the basis. 35 to 38 percent. Ninety one percent of the third group. Right. The third group who had to say when and where they were going to partake in said exercise. They exercise at least once per week. So it went up to 91 percent. That's such a huge jump. Right. So when I heard that, I thought to myself, wow, OK, this is obviously proven to work right? There's something to be said about this. So the implementation exercise is as simple as just saying, I will do this. I will do some sort of behavior change at a specific time at a specific location. And just the act of saying that aloud will increase the likelihood of you entertaining in that to 91% essentially. That's what I heard. Is that what you heard, Kate? Yeah. And how important it is for us to get really specific about it. And he talks about smart goals in this, uh, in the introduction of the book about how can we create specific and measurable goals, right? But we do need to have some kind of specificity of when this is happening, where this is happening, and the place that this is happening so that we can actually have something to measure. Yeah. <laughs> Have something to orient towards. If you care about it, put it on the calendar. Yeah, but also say it aloud, I think, is such a big one. Because sometimes I put things on the calendar and I just kind of, like, delete them, right? Mm. Like, I'm supposed to donate blood today. And I was like, yeah, my day is crazy. I'm going to donate blood on Thursday, right? Now, it doesn't matter. You know, that's fine. But at the end of the day, I think the idea of saying it aloud, like, I will donate blood on Wednesday. I made it to Wednesday. So I will do that. But I think just saying it aloud sometimes, like, kind of just... It reaffirms something, I think, in our brain too, right? This idea of, yeah, I'm going to schedule this in. I'm going to make time for this. Because I think Wednesday will come around, like that time on mm. Wednesday. I can't remember the time I'm supposed to donate blood. But the idea was, is like, I, I think it's 10.30. 10.30 on Wednesday, I'm going to donate blood, guys. I'm not going to change it. And I'll tell you why. Because I think the element of like when that day comes around, I'll feel like I need to do it, right? I already said it aloud. Mm. I already put it to like some sort of... I don't know, universe, I, whatever. Just like the idea of you're, you're announcing it. You're committing it to your sense of self. What do you think? Yeah, I think having that extra level of personal accountability and keeping our word to ourselves. Yeah. Once we say it out loud, once we externalize it in some way, it's a force that has been introduced into the space. And so much of this work, I feel like, is about how we can – create a really 
strong relationship with ourselves where we honor our own word. I know for so many folks, it's really easy to show up for work when somebody else is telling you where you need to be and when that needs to be happening mm -hmm. because it is said out loud from them to you. It's like, oh, I got to show up in this space to get this thing. But for so many of us who are freelance or artists or in charge of our own time, uh, we have to really have that executive function to say, this is when this is happening and I am holding myself accountable to this. And that holds a lot of power and a lot of weight. And it's absolutely a muscle that, that can be built and grown and gotten stronger. I think let's call it self-accountability, right? Ooh, we love. I love that. I don't know if it's an actual thing, but I think it's great. This idea of like holding ourselves accountable and just the simple act of saying it aloud. You know, something as like an example would be I will meditate for one minute at 7 a.m. in the mm. kitchen. I will exercise for one hour at 6 p.m. in my local gym. I will play guitar for 30 minutes at 3.30 p.m. on the love seat in my living room. Right. So there's this idea of holding ourselves accountable by just saying aloud what the behavior is, when will it be and where. So try that one on for size, guys. So we have habit scorecard, implementation intentions. The third make it obvious suggestion is habit stacking, which Kate's example for this is fantastic. But the idea of it is Something similar to our implementation intention, we're setting out a new sentence. We're saying aloud a new sentence, which is, after I fill in current habit, like a current habit that you do that you know you're going to do, for example, brushing my teeth, after I brush my teeth, I will, and this is where you add that new habit you want to add. So this is what habit stacking is. It's, it's kind of deciding, okay, look at that list that you created before, right under the habit scorecard. This comes back and you have this idea of like, well, these are the habits that I do. These are this is the routine I do. And if I want to add in a new habit, for instance, playing guitar, add it to a habit you've already kind of set yourself up on autopilot. Right. So after I brush my teeth, I make my bed. And after I make my bed, I'm going to play guitar for 20 minutes. Right. So this idea of you're putting it into something that's already built in your brain as being a habit that you are comfortable with. And then adding something else to it so that you could start off this new habit. Um, and this is great for routines. So, so Kate, can you tell us a little bit about your morning routine and how you are habit stacking? Yes. So as some of you know, I facilitate Artist Way groups. And a big component of that is doing morning pages, which is three pages stream of consciousness writing as close to first thing in the morning as you can. So I, over the years, have sort of developed a larger ritual around it. Like many of you, I need coffee, like first thing <laughs> in the morning. And I'm actually trying to put some food in my system before the coffee is a it's really good. If you have some anxiety, like a little side of anxiety like I do, mm. you got to put something in the system. So this ritual has effectively transformed since I initiated it because I actually put food in my system first, but then coffee. But this lovely 
morning habit stack that I've created is once I get the food in the system and the coffee is like ready to be sipped on, I will go to my altar, I'll light a candle, light some Palo Santo, which is a little peek ahead into make it attractive and make it satisfying. I love the visual of a lit candle. I love the smell of Palo Santo. It's really sensory for me and it's something I want to do. And that is the trigger that sets off the space for morning pages. So once the candle's lit and the smoke is is in the air from the Palo Santo, I'll sit down and I've got this like lovely warm cup of coffee and I'm writing out my morning pages. Then I complete the morning pages and then I come back to the altar where the candle is still lit and then I'll sit and meditate for that time, however long I'm going to meditate for that day. It depends what program I'm on, <laughs> what cycle I'm on. And then I'll blow out the candle and then that's the completion of the ritual. And for somehow that sort of orbit has opened up this space. Lighting that candle has opened up this space for this morning of nourishment and reflection. And it's just something that works really well for me that I really enjoy. Yeah, so I would invite y'all to get curious about like what is it that you're trying to put in first thing in the morning and then how can you make it stacked up with other things you might already want. So I wake up thinking I'll get the coffee <laughs> that's the thing I want. The morning pages happen in the wake of that, sipping alongside of that. I love that too because you have all five senses, right? So you have the mm. taste of the coffee, the smell of the coffee. You have the the heat emanating from mm. the candle as well as the visual of the fire. And you have, oh, yeah, what was that? Taste, taste smell. Touch touch sight sight and hear what you hear or even just like the the swipe of the match on the candle for instance i don't know how you're lighting um but yeah there's this element of like making this a full sensory experience for you and that works for you right it doesn't have to work for everyone but it does sound really really beautiful but there's this element of like even adding that like new addition right the food prior to the coffee it's just a great example of like, okay, I'm going to put this in there in, in the series of habits you already do. I'm just going to add this one, this new mm. habit that I want to add, which is eating before coffee. So I love that, Kate. The thing I really want is the coffee. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but now I've had to negotiate with myself. It's like, okay, we do need to have an egg and an English muffin in the belly first. You know, it's smart. It does well for you and you know yourself back to awareness, right? But that's so beautiful. So that's habit stacking. We also have design your environment, which is great. So this is really, really good, especially for like a January. It's a new year. What does that mean to design your environment? So some experts estimate that half of the brain's resources are used on vision alone, which is nuts to think about. So what we can see really can lead to a big shift in what we do. So it's good to make like cues of good habits really obvious and visible. So for instance, if you want to practice guitar, and we're going to just keep bringing back to guitar, Kate, because that's how you brought this up last week. We're going to do it again today. This is the year for me to get better at guitar. <laughs> this is the year. So if you want to practice guitar, it's good to place the guitar 
very, very close to you, right? In the middle of the living room. If you want to drink more water, fill up a few water bottles each morning. Place them in common locations around your home, right? Make things really easy, really obvious. Um, And actually, there's a book that I was also teaching about for quite a while called The Happiness Advantage. And one of the things that they recommend, strategies they recommend to be happy, right? And, you know, whatever that, that, like, happiness means to you. But one of the things they suggest is, Work on these new hobbies that you want to do and also make that really obvious. Make it 20 seconds away from you, a 20-second reach. Don't make it even longer than that. Don't go into a closet to take out your guitar. Don't have to go to the refrigerator, pour out water into a cup, and then have it. Make it 20 seconds away from you, and you're more likely to keep up with that habit. So I thought that was a really, really nice one, something I've been thinking about for a while And something actually we want to leave with all of you for this upcoming week, right? We want to challenge you or set an intention, if you will, to design your environment, right? Maybe think of a habit you want to implement and find a way within your environment to make that very easy for yourself. Something good, something that you want to keep up with in your life, whether it's reading, right? You can put your book right on your pillow in the morning so that at night, right before you go to sleep, it's right there and you're reminded to read, right? Instead of being like, oh, I could go to the other room and get my book or find a book, just having it there in front of you, making it so easy for you to grab and start reading, such a game changer. I love that. When I was building my studio, I was asking myself, like, what would I want for this creative space? If I walk through the door, what feeling do I want to have? So really look at your spaces that you have. And James Clear recommends in the book, he's like, one room for each thing. I'm like, yeah, good luck in New York. Like, good luck. Like, good luck to most of us. But like, how could we have like, this is the chair that I do the reading in. Or this is the corner that I do my self-tapes in. So like you're establishing spaces for certain activities, for certain habits. So you're not going to take your phone into the chair that you do deep reading in. So looking around your environment and what do you want at your fingertips? What are you trying to create? And how can you make it so easy for yourself to reach for that and so obvious? But, oh, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to do. And for those, again, for those of you in New York City, you're like, Michelle, what are you talking about? Like, just change chairs. Like, make that the chair for reading. That chair's the one for doing your work every day. And that chair is for eating. Like, find Mm. just a new chair. Like, do what you need to do to create that space for yourself. It doesn't have to be dramatic. It doesn't have to make – you don't have to make a whole creative thing about that. Mm. It's just a space for you to go, this is my designated space. It's the same logic of try not to make your bed your workstation as well because then like habitually like logically our brains go okay well I, I I tried to go to sleep in this bed but I'm so used to being active and on and trying to work on this bed that I'm not sleeping right now so it's the same thing same idea and then again how to break a bad habit it's just the inversion of this right reduce exposure to something you don't want to do right remove the cues of the bad habit if you're drinking a lot of soda and you're trying to like bring that habit down 
just make that soda really difficult for you to find, right? Make that make make a little game for yourself. Every time you have to, if you want to have a soda, you have to uh, like announce it to no one there. Just be like, I'm going to have a soda now, right? Something as silly as that could be just an additional thing you have to do. And it'll slow down the amount of times that you might want to drink that soda. That's just an example. I drink my Sunkist orange soda. Love it. No shame to soda. But excellent. So this Sunday the 15th of January at 7 p.m. Eastern. We are having an integration session where we are going to put some of this in practice, talk about what, what, what this means, talk about, you know, how we can try to set this intention for the rest of the week. What else are we going to do that day, Kate? We're also going to work on our little habit scorecards. So we're going to bring into our awareness what we already do, whether it's building or not building or neutral. And we're going to be talking about how we can make these habits that we're wanting to implement a little bit more obvious. Excellent. Excellent. And if you haven't yet, we are doing a giveaway. We've announced a giveaway on social media. It's also a link is in the show notes all about how you can win some really, really great prizes. Uh, super, super easy to to enter this giveaway. So make sure to do that. And we will see you next week. Same time on Friday, where we are going to introduce the second law on how to build habits. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. See you next week. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you haven't yet, do me a favor. Drop a five-star review. Follow on Spotify. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. And find me on Instagram. I'm at, at Michelle Simone Miller and at Mentors on the Mic. Share this in your stories. Let me know what you think. Share it with a friend. And I'll see you next time. 